You're listening to the Meeting Midway Podcast, a podcast of Midway United Methodist Church in Alpharetta, Georgia, featuring Pastor Jenny Andoni and Pastor Brad Biggerstaff. Over the course of the podcast, we'll hear how the church relates to the real-world issues that matter to you and how God loves us all. And now, let's meet Midway. Come on down. Come on, come closer, y'all. Are so far away. Come, come close. Y'all don't be afraid of. <laughs> How are you guys doing this week? Good, good. Do y'all know what we're doing this next few weeks in the journey series? Have y'all y'all heard in the back? What? We are learning about God. That is for sure happening. Um, there's a there's a, a cheat on the on the screen right there, if any of y'all can read it. Prayer, yes, we have been talking about prayer. Um, and I, I'm, I'm sure your parents have been reading their books faithfully every single day, um, filling you in as we go on. Uh, but today I wanted to talk to you and ask you a question, uh, kind of a little piece of prayer. Because uh, we come up here every single week and we sit down right here. Can anybody tell me what this is? A bar? No, but close. What do we have? You don't know? A rail. A rail, yes. Yes. There's another word to accompany that, but you are correct. Anybody else want to give one more guess? So this is an altar rail. Exactly right. This is the altar that we come up to. Does anybody know what we do at the altar? Yes. We pray, exactly, exactly right. Um, it's a, it's a, a foundational thing to our church here, but churches around the world, they have these altars at the front of church so that people can come and pray. Uh, there's interesting things that different churches do. Some churches will come and, and kneel at the altar and receive Holy Communion when we do that once a month. They, they come and kneel and, and they receive it at the altar. Uh, I know some, some churches even have people come up during uh, uh, offering time and they, they put their money on the altar. Maybe we could practice that here sometime to, to see how people do with that. Uh, well, I want to tell you a story of a woman uh, who is really, really, really influential within the Methodist Church. Her name is Phoebe Palmer. Um, Phoebe Palmer might be somebody that your, your parents don't know about as well, but Phoebe Palmer is an influential person within the history of Methodism because she, uh, around you know, 150 years ago, she emphasized altar theology. And altar theology quite simply was the belief that you can come to this place up here at the altar, you can pray, and you can lay your whole life down, and God will meet you where you are and God will listen to you. That's great. Everybody here. And that's why we come to this place for the children's sermon every week. Because we get to come to the altar and be ourselves in front of God. So let's bow our heads in prayer this morning as we pray at the altar. 
Dear God, thank you for today. Thank you for each of us. We thank you for our parents. We thank you for our friends. God, meet us where we are. Love us. We're listening to you. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. Thanks. My bad. <laughs> you knew that, though. <laughs> Scripture lesson comes to us from the Gospel of Matthew, the sixth chapter, verses five through eight, and then skipping over to the seventh chapter, verses seven through eleven. Before we read together, let us pray. Almighty and gracious God, open our hearts and our minds by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, so that as your word is read and proclaimed, we may hear with great joy all that you would say to us this day. Amen. Hear now God's word to us this day. And whenever you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, so that they may be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward. But whenever you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. When you are praying, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Ask, and it will be given to you. Search, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened for you. For everyone who asks receives, and everyone who searches finds, and for everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. Is there anyone among you who if your child asks for bread, will give a stone? Or if the child asks for a fish, will give a snake? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good things to those who ask him? The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So last week, we began our journey into prayer. Our guidebooks for this journey are the Bible and Maxie Dunham's workbook on living prayer. We are two weeks now into our daily readings. By the way, if you didn't get a book, you can at least download the first chapter as a sample on your Kindle and we have ordered some more books that will be in early this week. Well, on the first Sunday we, when we began this adventure together, we began with an acknowledgement that we all long to be in a relationship with God. We all want to taste and see 
that the Lord is good. But in order to do so, we need to get serious about prayer. I've never met anyone, saint or sinner, who was satisfied with their prayer life. In fact, all the books that I've read about prayer start off with the author confessing their own failure at prayer. We all, including this preacher, can stand to grow in our prayer life. Last Sunday, I referenced that scene of Clark Griswold in the movie Vacation, where he gives only a glancing nod to the grandeur of the Grand Canyon. Likewise, our tendency is to give a quick nod to the Almighty by offering a prayer, say, when we come to church or by saying grace at a meal, but never really plunging the depths of genuine communion with God. In his book, When God Doesn't Answer Your Prayer, Jerry Sitzer likens his own journey into prayer to standing on the edge of the Grand Canyon. Instead of offering a perfunctory glance, though, Sitzer says he finds himself staring into the abyss, filled with both terror and wonder. Prayer, he says, is best understood as a long, sometimes perilous, epic journey that eventually leads to triumph like that. Prayer is best understood as a long, sometimes perilous, epic journey that eventually leads to triumph. In the movie, The Two Popes, Pope Benedict and the future Pope Francis are talking in the garden. If you haven't seen the movie, by the way, I recommend it. Benedict is accurately depicted as a scholarly, dogmatic pope, whereas Francis, a Jesuit, is more down-to-earth and contemplative. When Francis asserts that nothing is static in nature, not even God, Pope Benedict challenges him. Then how do we find God if he is always moving? On the journey, answers Francis. Oh, says Benedict with a hint of sarcasm, perhaps we'll find him over there on the journey, he smirks, pointing down a path in the garden. I'll introduce you to him. This understanding of prayer as a journey encourages me, as I hope it does you, because prayer understood in this way is not so much a discipline to be mastered as it is a journey to be taken. The journey will sometimes be difficult, challenging, perhaps even frightening, at other times awe-inspiring. But if we keep at it, it will eventually lead us to spiritual triumph. Each of us desires a relationship with God. I think that's a safe assumption to make 
given that all of us got out of bed this morning, got ready, and presented ourselves here for worship. Some of you did that despite physical ailments or challenges. Others of you accomplished that in spite of having to get children ready and out the door. No small feat. Why would we go to the trouble to come to church week in and week out if not because we desire a closer relationship with God? So how do we grow in that relationship? The same way we grow in all of our meaningful relationships, by regular, genuine communication. For us to communicate with God in an authentic way, we need to live a life of prayer, to have regular conversation with God, not to converse with God Sunday to Sunday, but day to day, hour to hour to hour. We find, of course, the ultimate model for such a life of prayer in Jesus himself. When people were clamoring for our Savior's attention, he would separate himself from all the noise and activity in favor of a quiet place to pray. If Jesus, who was God's son, is closer to the Father than anyone, felt the need to set aside time to pray and space to pray, how much more then do you and I need to do so? Witnessing for themselves the priority Jesus gave to prayer led the disciples to ask Jesus to teach them how to pray. There was something different about the way that he prayed. Luke chapter 11 says, he was praying in a certain place, and after he had finished, one of the disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. And in response, Jesus says, when you pray. And then he teaches them the Lord's Prayer, which we will take up next week. Notice that Jesus says, when you pray, not if you pray. He assumed that his followers, who were Jewish, were, like all good Jews, prayers. Likewise, in his teachings on prayer in the Sermon on Mount, in Matthew, Jesus begins, whenever you are praying. And then a couple of verses later, when you are praying. Jesus assumes that his followers would pray and that they would do so regularly. The first prayer principle is pray regularly. Sometimes, you know, in learning how to do something, it's just as important to first learn not what, to learn rather what not to do. I remember when I was coaching one of my son's baseball teams, they were, and you know, they were little, I wouldn't teach, I wouldn't coach a big one, but they, they were little. So they're just learning the game, right? And so what do we teach them? Don't slide into first. 
Don't stop on the back. Run through it. You know, sometimes you got to learn what not to do before you learn what to do. So Jesus prefaces the next couple of prayer principles with warnings about two prayer pitfalls to avoid. Do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners so that they may be seen by others. But whenever you pray, go into your room and shut the door. Now, this doesn't mean that there aren't appropriate times to pray in public. If that were the case, then Brad and I are in deep trouble. <laughs> Certainly, for example, there's nothing wrong with praying over a meal in a restaurant. If that's what you do at home, and I hope you do, then don't change your pattern when you go out to eat. Don't do something different because you're afraid of what others might think of you. By the same token, don't do something you normally wouldn't do for the benefit of an audience. Our prayers are directed to an audience of one, God and God alone. Prayer is not performance. Jesus' prescription for the temptation to make a spectacle out of our praying is to pray in secret. That is, to have a dedicated space for prayer, a space where you can go and shut out the world and be free from all the distractions. We've got so many distractions today. Put the phone down. Get away from it. Of course, that's a problem if you're using a prayer app on your phone, but <laughs> which I use. But Establishing a specific place for prayer seems to be essential to a vital prayer life because we are creatures of habit. You know, just like we have a set routine when we are beginning to work or when we are getting ready to go to bed, having a place set aside for prayer aids us in, establish, aids us in establishing in that habit of regular conversation with God. John Wesley, y'all have heard of him before, right? John Wesley had a room uh, in his home in London that you can still see to this day. It was where he went to pray. And it was very simply furnished with a desk, a chair, and a kneeler. That's all he needed to converse with God for hours. I think I've shared with you all before that my brother and his wife have a room in their house which they call their quiet room. It's essentially their prayer closet where anyone can go to be alone with God. Myself, I prefer to go outside and be in my garden. That's where I feel close to God. The, the place isn't important. It's the intentionality. And, and the freedom from distraction. The second prayer principle is to pray privately. 
The next pitfall Jesus warns us about is using empty phrases and flowery language instead of our normal pattern of speech. Did you know that God is not impressed by our vocabulary? It's true. When you are praying, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard because of their many words. Another translation says, don't keep babbling. Of course, you know who are the worst offenders of heaping up empty phrases in prayer. Preachers are. You know, we, we use churchy phrases and archaic words that no one ever uses anymore. We beseech thee, O God. What, what's a beseech? Yeah. I once saw a preacher at a funeral that I, I'm a preacher I knew, so I went up to greet him, shook his hand, and he said to me, How art thou? <laughs> Who talks like that? <laughs> Only a preacher. And we pray that way, too. God isn't impressed by our theological language and our churchy phrases that we use so much that they don't even really mean anything anymore. God simply wants us to talk with him and to listen to him. If God is a loving father who wants to give us good gifts and knows what we need even before we ask him, then we ought to be at ease in God's presence and be able to talk with him as we would our very closest friend. Grandpa Rucker is one of the colorful characters in Olive Ann Burns' book, Cold Sassy Tree. And he possesses that kind of wisdom born only from experience. And this is evidenced by his simple yet profound thoughts on prayer. Grandpa Rucker says, another thing to think on. Some folks ain't said pea turkey to God in years. They don't ask him for nothing, don't specially try to be good, and don't love nobody the way Jesus said to except their own self. But they gonna get just about as much or as little in the way of earthly goods as the rest of us. They gonna have sorrows and joys, failure and good times. And when they come down sick, they're going to get well or die, one, just the same as praying folk. So don't that tell you something about praying? Ain't the best praying just being with God and talking a while, like he's a good friend, instead of like he runs a store and you've come in hoping to get a bargain. <laughs> Grandpa Rucker was right, we should talk with God like we are talking with our very best friend, not like we're leading liturgy or trying to speak the king's English. The third prayer principle is praying sincerely. Seems my, all my illustrations this morning are movie scenes. But 
there, there's a scene in the movie, Meet the Parents, where Jack, the father of Greg's soon-to-be fiance, asked Greg if he would like to say grace. We make it so complicated. God doesn't want us to use stock phrases. God's desire is for us to pour out our hearts to him. What moves God's heart is not the language we use, but our sincerity. Matthew 6 then teaches us that we are to pray regularly. Jesus said, when you pray, not if you pray. Pray privately. God is not impressed by public displays of piety. Three, pray sincerely. God is not interested in fancy words. God just simply wants to know what's on our hearts. In Matthew 7, Jesus says, Ask and it will be given to you. Search and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. Does this mean that we will get everything that we ask for in faith? What was Jesus' anguish prayer that he prayed in the garden on the night of his betrayal? First he prayed, Father, let this cup pass from me. But later he prayed, not my will, but thine. In prayer, we seek to know God's will so that we can be in line with it. God is not some kind of divine vending machine or cosmic Santa that stands ready to grant our every whim or wish. Through prayer, God will purify our motives so that our desires will line up with his. When I first started seminary, I was really struggling. I, I felt like, you know, I don't really know if I'm supposed to be here. You know, it's just, a, it's hard. I feel alone. I don't know all these weird people. Yeah. And, but one day I just said, okay, I'm going to put myself out there, you know. When we have, when there's community lunch, I'm going to go and I'm going to meet some people, I have lunch with them, get to know them, you know, find some other people who are on this same journey I'm on. But by the time I got out of class and I made it to the community lunch, everyone had already gotten their lunch and were seated at their tables and with very few chairs left around. So I took my introverted self and I left and I, I said, I'm going to go to Blimpy's. That's an old subway, Blimpy's. And so I was walking. And I was, I was not in a good way, I'll say. But I started talking to God as I walked. Started having some, you know, it wasn't really a very pious prayer, but it was an honest one. And I said something to the effect of, God, I don't, I don't know about this whole thing. You know, I think I'm doing what you want me to do, but, you know, this is really hard. And, you know, if I'm going to be lonely for the next three years, you can just forget it. 
I mean it. I'm going to leave seminary, you know, and do something else. There's lots of other things I can do, you know. I don't have to do this. So you better get with it because if you don't send me somebody to be a companion on this journey, you can forget it. And I mean it. Like God needs me, you know. <laughs> About that time, I reached the Blimpies and walked in the door. And there happened to be another seminary student standing in line in front of me. And he introduced himself to me. He said, hi, my name's Herzen. <laughs> For those of you who don't know, that's the man with whom I've been sharing life and ministry with now for over 30 years. God doesn't want us to be pretend actors. God wants us to level with him, to be honest about our feelings and where we are in our life and our relationship with him. God wants to help us to grow and to live lives of purpose and fulfillment in accordance with God's will. God's just waiting for us to come to him like a little child who trusts that God, like a loving parent, has our best interests at heart. If we who are evil know how to give good gifts to our children, how much more will our Father in heaven Give good things to us who ask. Pray regularly. Pray privately. Pray sincerely. And your Father will reward you. Maybe not with those specific things that you ask for, but certainly with that greatest of rewards an intimate relationship with the God who loves us and gave himself up for us and wants the very best for us in this life and the next. One of my favorite prayers is by Thomas Merton, and I'd like to close with it this morning. Let us pray. My Lord God, I have no idea where I'm going. I do not see the road ahead of me. And I cannot know for certain where it will end. Nor do I really know myself. And the fact that I think that I'm following your will does not mean that I'm actually doing so. But I believe that the desire to please you does, in fact, please you. And I hope I have that desire in all that I'm doing. I hope that I will never do anything apart from that desire. And I know that if I do this, you will lead me by the right road, though I may know nothing about it. Therefore, I will trust you always. Though I may seem to be lost and in the shadow of death, I will not fear, for you are ever with me. 
and you will never leave me to face my perils alone. Amen. You've been listening to the Meeting Midway podcast from Midway United Methodist Church. The doors to our community are open to all, and we invite guests to join us at our services on Sunday. We have a traditional worship service at 8.30 a.m. in our historic chapel, an acoustic worship service at 9.45 a.m. in our historic chapel, and a contemporary service at 11 a.m. in our modern sanctuary. For more information, check us out online at midwayumc.org. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you soon.